Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by the Coalition for Combined Literature. Do you find yourself wanting to read the classics, but you just don't have the time? Well, worry no more. Our flagship program fuses popular works into an easily digestible format. See what happens when Dr. Seuss and Harper Lee combine for that new tale of Yuletide justice, How Atticus Finch Stole Christmas. And who can forget Edgar Allan Poe and Arthur Miller synthesizing two of their most famous stories and getting Mask of the Red Death of a Salesman. You'll discover all kinds of fantasy lands in books such as Cloud Atlas Shrugged, Gone Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Wheel of Time Machine, and Brave New World According to Garp. Stay tuned for next year when we unveil our first marriage of movies and television with Godzilla's Island, the Coalition for Combined Literature. Patent pending. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Atlanta Braves yes. has given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our friends at the Grueling Truth Network. Also, our new sponsors, Tix Blitz. If you are looking to buy any tickets to any sort of event, sporting event, uh, concert venue, opera, whatever it is you want to go to, Tix Blitz is the place to go. They've got all of the same tickets and all the best seating, just like your big time, quote unquote, ticket providers, except for one little old difference. Doc, you know what that difference is? I think you're about to tell me. No seat fees. So whenever you go into like SeatGeek or StubHub or Ticketmaster, you know, you'll buy your ticket and then you'll go and you'll go to the checkout screen. And what happens is you'll see a little fee down there at the bottom. It could be as much as $25 that says seat fee. Well, if it's only a one ticket and... It sucks, but it's not totally horrible. But, man, if you got two or three people going to that same game, two or three tickets, that's like the whole price of another ticket. Well, Tick Splits doesn't think you should have to pay that, so there is no seat fee. And if you use our promo code ARMCHAIR, they're also going to give you 5% off your total ticket price at the checkout screen. Why wouldn't you use them? Tick Splits is a brand-new up-and-coming market. They're the best guys in the world. Use them for all of your ticket needs. Now, coming into the show, we're going to keep doing our NL East previews. So in a little bit, you're going to hear a portion of the interview that we did with Brittany Giroli, and I apologize for it being only a portion. I'm an idiot and screwed this up this week, so that's on me. Uh, so Brittany, if you're listening to this, I promise I did not just cut out half our interview. I'm just an idiot. Uh, but before we get into that, and, and it's going to be fun to talk about, there's some really good points in that interview. We did finally have some... Uh, 
some big moves happen in free agency. Uh, I'm going to talk about those. I'm going to go off script. I'm going to change the order. I want to talk about Manny Machado signing a 10-year, $300 million contract to play for not the New York Yankees, not the Chicago White Sox, not the Philadelphia Phillies, but the San Diego Padres. It's a bold move. That is a bold move, and especially for somebody that just said that he didn't like playing on the West Coast when he was out there with the Dodgers. He has suddenly decided that he's going to be out there for the next decade. He may still not like it, but it's $30 million a year. Oh, dude, I would I would go live in Saskatchewan. For I'll go play in Cambodia. Money. I'll play in Cambodia for $30 million a year. Yeah, forget about it. Now, that's a, that's a good move for San Diego, and for a team that was that was pretty responsible with their funds for the longest time, going out and grabbing Eric Hosmer for 144 and eight years and now getting Manny for 300 million and 10. I mean, and don't forget, by the way, Will Myers extension kicks in next year and he'll go from making 5 million to making 22 million. Yeah. Yeah. They are. They're going to have 70 million spread out amongst those three. Um, And then luckily for them, anyway, the, their farm system is, Probably as good, if not better, than the Braves' farm system was at any point during the rebuild. I'd rank them a little bit ahead of us just because of where their pitchers are at. Like We have about the same number of of MLB-level pitchers, but I think the pitching prospects that they have, most of them profile to be a little bit better on average than the ones that the Braves have, personally speaking. Now, you could go either way. I can make the case for both teams. I just think the Padres are a little bit deeper top to bottom. The Braves, most of their glut is focused – from like double A up, I think the Padres have that all the way from triple A all the way down to like low A. They they are covered and and they're actually performing too. When you look look at guys like Chris Paddock and and guys like Logan Allen, I mean the guy posted a sub two ERA in the Pacific Coast League, which is that's a hitter's that's paradise. Freakish. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So Adrian Morahone, uh, everybody keeps forgetting about Anderson Espinosa, who was the uh, uh, that was. Who was he in the deal for? Anderson Espinosa was for Drew Pomeranz, I believe so. Because that, that, I mean, if you don't get into prospects, that probably seems pretty lopsided uh, for the Red Sox. But that is lopsided in favor of the Padres. If if Espinosa stays healthy, you're talking about a guy that at one point was the number two pitcher in the Red Sox prospect pool behind only Michael Kopech. Yeah, and and he apparently now that he's healthy and he's back from his Tommy John, then uh, he's apparently popping the mitt pretty well. He's doing. He was a great prospect before he got hurt, so he's just kind of like that little sleeper guy that they've they've had in there that nobody's paying attention to. But, but with him and Cal Quantrill and Ryan Weathers and Michelle Baez and Luis Patino, who's another guy who's just recently started jumping in the top hundred lists. I mean, they they are legit. And now think what you know. Hosmer and Myers, those guys are, uh, they've got their warts about them, but they can be somewhat productive players, even if they're overpaid. But a guy like Manny. And we're ignoring the top jewel, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is on par, at least in the eyes of evaluators, with your Ronald Acuna's and your Vlad Jr.'s and Eloy Jimenez and Juan Soto types. It's funny. Tatis is such a funny thing to me because he was part of a salary dump to get James Shields off of uh, of the Padres and and the, the White Sox traded Fernando Tatis for James Shields. That's going to go that's going to go down as as one of like the the uh, Shelby Miller type deal. But is, but it, is it like the Tukey? We'll take on Bronson Arroyo's money if you give sure. us Tukey. Okay. Yeah, I mean deal, deals like that. I mean and and these guys are 
you know, Tukey has has made his debut, but he hasn't necessarily solidified himself. He's got all the potential in the world. But yeah. Tatis is a monster. Up, he he that that deal, both the Tatis deal and the Tukey deal, could wind up going down in history as some of the most the most lopsided deals. But now, so the NL West this next year, it still belongs to the Dodgers, right? Agreed. Agreed. We, you, I was just about to say, we've talked about this a little bit. Neither of us believe that, that San Diego's ready to make that jump this year, but it's not about this year. No, they've got, they've got Manny for a decade. They get time to stretch out now. But they didn't lose, they didn't lose a pick for Manny because he got traded midseason, so he didn't have a qualifying offer. So if they're, they're not necessarily going all in, but if they wanted to go farther in than they are now, they can turn around and sign Dallas Keuchel. And he's not amazing, but a ground ball pitcher at Petco Park. I mean, because Petco Park is huge. Anybody who's going to wind up giving up a lot of fly balls is going to be very much aided by that park. So a guy who already doesn't give up a lot of fly balls. I mean, Dallas Keuchel, if he were to sign with the Padres, suddenly they look pretty interesting. Like San Diego could win 81 next year. If they break 500, then they're going to go crazy next year. Not only that, you're, you're right. They could get Keuchel. They could also turn around and give a big old package for one of the pitchers from Cleveland, whether it's Carlos Carrasco or Kluber or Bauer or really whichever one, Danny Salazar, whoever they really wish. They've got the prospect capital to even overpay and still have a top five system. I did the, the top prospect composite and uh, San Diego placed 14 different guys on top 100 list. And when, when you're stacking up the farm systems, they blew everybody away so yeah they and not only do they have the prospects to make it work they've got like big league usable assets that they could wind up trading out many margo many margo is a big time piece that they could just ship away um Mm -hmm. hunter renfro they're not going to have a spot for or many i think margo would be the guy to go because a lot of these teams that we're talking about right here they could use a center fielder more than they could use one of these pitchers especially cleveland who still, you know, they don't want to roll with Rajai Davis or Leones Martin as their everyday center fielder. Uh, Manny Margot would be a good idea there. I don't think they trust Bradley Zimmer to handle center field yet. Uh, I'm not sure that I blame him after what I saw from him a year ago. So, very interesting. But you and I both agree that, like, 2020, 2021, that's when the Padres are really going to be, unless they, in lieu of another gigantic move, because there's talks about them still going after Harper. Uh, but in lieu of another Uber move, 2020, 2021 is where we think the Padres are going to shine. When, when speaking, we were just talking about a Cleveland San Diego deal, the one that they made this past year, where it was Brad hand for Francisco Mejia. I remember thinking, Oh my God, even if, if it's just organic development from, from Tatis and Mejia and Luis Urias and, uh, Franmil Reyes and, and all these all these different guys. I mean, God, they were scary already. And this was without adding a, a six to seven war all star third baseman. I mean, they are serious. They're absolutely serious. But right before, and we are a Braves podcast. We did not forget. Right before that signing, it did come out that the Braves had made a three year, ninety million dollar offer to Manny, which. I can't imagine why he didn't take that. <laughs> if he had right? something that was, oh no, you know, I could take three hundred million, fully guaranteed, or I could yeah. take ninety million. Man, that's a 
that's a bummer. I mean, it's nice to see that they that they actually made an offer, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that they they knew he was not going to take that. That's my thing, and that's kind of the question I'm going to want to get into a little bit later when we really discuss this offseason. But I'm going to save it for now. Remember what you just said because I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> okay, uh, but. But speaking of that, there is a few other guys that are still on the market. Craig Kimbrell, obviously the whole picture in Orlando that got Braves Twitter super excited until a uh, friend of the program, Gabe Burns, threw a nice heaping glass of water on that, talking with Kevin McAlpin, saying that, uh, no, the Braves have not been in contact with Craig Kimbrell. I don't believe that for a second. I think there's an offer on the table. The question is whether or not Kimbrell's going to come down off of his years and his money because I don't see the Braves going anywhere near the $17 million a year type of number. I think they want to stick around 13 and top at 15 Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that he was asking for six and a hundred or six years and $100 million, which that, even if you are the best reliever, that's, that is yeah, not... Yeah, you're still a reliever, buddy. Right, you, you're, you're still going to wind up only only pitching sixty innings a year, and that's as long as you stay healthy. Um, but I, I think I think at this point, you know, even even if he was looking for something like four and seventy five, that um, that's pretty high in the, the AAV. But that's not totally unreasonable. But I think that he's realized that that offer is not there. And with Boston coming out and saying that uh, it's all but saying like there's no way this is going to happen. It's pretty much. I mean, there's the Braves and, and maybe the Astros. I, I guess. I mean, I'm not. I'm not Astros, seeing a huge the White Sox. If the White Sox lose out on on Harper and Machado, I could see them going after Kimbrel because they really do think that their windows in the next couple of years. Um, and and it could be they they have a great farm system too. They they just have. I think that they have more steps. I think the Phillies and the Nationals are both still in play for Kimbrel as well. I'm just I'm hoping not. And and for everything that you're hearing about, you know, you see the interviews and, and obviously Freddie can come out and say, oh, yeah, that, that's why he's here. Oh, he's, he's here to golf. Well, sure he is. But at the same time, if Freddie's saying that, you know, we're going to go play some golf together, then you know that Brian McCann is also coming on that trip. And, you know, Johnny Venters is also coming on that trip. And you know that they're going to gang up on him big time and try and uh, strong arm him <laughs> into into coming back. And. Paul Crane, who has done more to uh, quote unquote legitimize himself in, in the past couple of weeks than he had for his entire career, at least from where I'm sitting, has coming. It was saying that there's uh, rumors of uh, that the Braves and Kimberly are talking about a one year deal. Uh, count me out on that if it's just one year with the qualifying offer attached. I think if anything, I, if Kimberly would take three years and forty million, or even three and forty five, that would be fine. I think. But uh, too much beyond that in either direction for years or money. I think that that would be a little that'd be a little much for me. The other question is, it's this is going to sound bad. But the other question is, do you buy into his decline? Because if you really do think he's declining, relievers are so volatile, man. And I've mentioned that there's a few this offseason who I'm really upset that the Braves didn't sign. Guys like David Robertson, who I thought was one of the best on the market. Uh, guys like Kelvin Herrera, Adam Adovino, guys like that. But what made them so good of signings is how cheap they were. The fact that Zach Britton got the most at $13 million. Now, if Craig Kimbrell gets $15 million, is he still the same value as like a Kelvin Herrera? It's hard to tell because yeah. it is pitching in the AL and pitching in the AL East and against massive teams like that. So I can forgive you a little bit for struggling. But it, it's more the look. It was like four or five consecutive times out where he, it, it just didn't look like he was the same Craig Kimbrell. 
I don't, I don't know. I've got a hard time giving a reliever four years. Three, I think, is the absolute that I would go. I just – I don't like – relievers are so hard to commit to for me, man. No, and and you're absolutely right. And, and Kimbrell, at the same time, he's not your standard reliever. But there are absolutely questions about the uh, – not necessarily about the, the durability, but a little bit of decline. I mean, that game in the playoffs against the Yankees where he would have – he was doing his best to throw that game away, and Steve Pierce saved his ass. But – even if Kimbrell does take a step back, he's still one of the premier relievers in the game. And uh, and it would just kind of lengthen the bullpen a little bit. Like if you are you put Kimbrell in the back and you push everybody forward a little bit, you got Mentor in the eighth or Viz in the eighth or the seventh or whatever, and then you got O'Day and you got you got some good guys in there. And that, that on the front end, like instead of going to Luke Jackson in the sixth inning or seventh inning or Sam Freeman, then you can start getting into just Biddle or Dan Winkler, or some of, some of your more solid options. Maybe, who knows? Maybe Luis Gohara or Max Fried. So I would not I would not hate it. And between Keuchel and Kimbrell, I mean, look, dude, I've been hanging out or holding out for Bryce Harper all year, or all offseason. I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen, right? So, so of the guys that are remaining that are actually probably logical targets, um, Kimbrell would be the guy if you're going that top tier. More so than Keuchel, at least. I I want no part of Keuchel. I've mentioned it before. I'm not a big I'm not a big proponent of ground ball pitchers because they inherently pitch to contact, which is a bad idea in today's age. Um, it's funny if you should listen to uh, the interview that Mike Petriello did with Adam Ottavino and listen to it, an actual major leaguer explain it to you why that whole ground ball pitcher thing might not be uh, all it's cracked up to be anymore. But I digress. Uh, friend of the program, Mike Petriello. That's right. But. Uh, Talking about Bryce, we all know that he's he's the big fish left. Um, now, there, there's a few guys that are turning around now and saying that Manny's a better player than Bryce. I don't buy into that. I think Manny's better all around because Manny's obviously better defensively. But Bryce and Manny's offenses are not on the same levels. And if you want to check that out, you can go into fan graphs and you can see uh, Bryce's offensive war or whatever they call it, his offensive value, uh, about 200 Manny's about 91 to this point. You could actually take out Bryce's nine more season where he was worth 77.7 and he's still ahead of Manny. Bryce is one of these super high impact players. There's a lot of variance because obviously we all saw how bad he was the first half last year. Um, But we talk about that when then we fail to mention how insane he was after the all-star break. Like the pace that he went on to end up hitting over thirty bombs and and to end up with three point four WAR, I believe it was. Um, it was a crazy finish. The question is going to be if Manny got three hundred. I've long been a proponent that Bryce is going to get ten and three twenty, uh, and I think it's going to be from Philadelphia. I still believe that, even though Clintac put that report out about the Machado deal, saying that the ten and three hundred exceeded their valuation. I think it did because I think they believe that Harper is more important than Machado. Now, I think that he leaks that and says that, trying to make sure that Harper and uh, Scott Boris don't go insane and be like, all right, 350 now. It's, it is, it's very interesting to see uh, Matt Klintak and John Middleton, the Phillies GM and, and owner, appear to be on very different pages about the availability of the, the money that they have. And Andy McPhail who works in the Phillies front office, he he drafted Machado. And there were a number of guys that were with Baltimore when, when Machado got drafted. And 
there's nothing concrete about that Machado was number one and Harper was number two on their wish list. That's just kind of industry rumblings, okay? But there, there is a connection to be made there. So what I take out of this quote where he says, if the reports are true, this will exceed our evaluation, and sometimes you have to walk away. That's from Matt Klintak. If he's saying that about the guy that was number one on their list, if they wouldn't give Manny $300 million, then would they give that to Bryce? Now, you're absolutely right. Bryce's offensive peak is not only higher than Manny's, but I think it's higher than just about anybody in the game when he's on. But anybody he, but not think, named Trout. Yeah, or and he's he's in that upper tier. Manny's in it too, but like if Bryce is two at his peak, then Manny's like six, six. or seven. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's interesting though. Like if they wouldn't give Manny all of that money, then maybe San Francisco, who has been who has been lurking if they're going to use this to finally swoop in and, and take him out of the Phillies, like we as Braves fans, we are in the middle of this. Uh, our front office team made their own stupid money claims uh, without coming out and absolutely saying that. And because of that, there's a this sense of disappointment surrounding the season. They set their self up to be drilled on the balls by this guy right here. Well, and if Philadelphia literally came out and said, we're going to spend stupid money, and then they don't wind up spending stupid money, well, I mean... Oh, they're spending stupid money. It just depends on who it's going to be on. Well, right, and then then they can turn around and they they can throw, like, if Philly misses out on Harper and Machado, then they can throw some money at Keigel. They can throw some money at Kimbrell. But this is this is where expectations come in and they start killing everything. Because uh, this is a point that I made last week. If Philadelphia hadn't made that claim about stupid money and they just stopped now, we would I think we'd all look around and say, damn, that's a really good offseason. But everybody's still expecting more out of them. Ironic that it's a mirror image of Atlanta in that situation. But speaking of Bryce Harper, we just mentioned the Giants. Well, what about the team that he just came from? Uh, we've got Brittany Giroli from The Athletic going to come on here. We're going to let you listen to about about – 15 minutes of that interview uh, really digging in on, on Bryce Harper and and what to expect from the Nationals this year and where she thinks that the Braves are going to place. So sit back, enjoy this, and we will be right back right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Hearing a whole bunch of stuff, it keeps going from uh, oh well, Bryce. You know he was. You know you hear dissenting opinions. Oh, he wasn't that good in the locker room. Then you talk to any of the teammates, and they seem to love him just fine. What's uh, what's the actual story about it? Does anybody seem kind of weird about having him there or not having him there? No, I don't think anything seems weird. And again, like I don't have anything to compare it to, right? Like I didn't cover Bryce Harper, but um, what I do think, what I can gather, is that it seems like he was very similar to Manny Machado, who I covered for. 
God, eight years, nine years, um, in that, you know, it wasn't necessarily that he was a bad teammate or a bad guy. It was that he was such a big deal that he often sucked the air out of the room. Um, that's kind of what I gather from, from Harper. And then that was kind of the case with Manny a lot. So, um, yes, you're not going to hear anyone on the record say, Hey, we don't want Bryce back because who on or who's going to say that, right? No, no one's going to say that and attach their name to it. But privately, yeah, there is a faction of guys who think the clubhouse is better without them. Think, think that they got younger, they got better defensively, uh, and they don't necessarily need him. So, um, I, I don't want to make it like guys are bashing him because he's not here. Um, but I don't think anyone's sitting around saying, oh, this team's not very good. We need Bryce Harper. That's not the feel at all. The feel in there is they got better. They've got better guys. They're they're better equipped to handle some of the, the lulls in the season. They've got better veteran guys in there. Uh, and no one's really too worried about Bryce Harper. I think they've essentially kind of moved on. You had a, a story come out that was talking about the possibility of, a, of an extension for Anthony Rendon, which I think uh, – Nationals would be very, very smart uh, to do because uh, we, we, as Braves fans, we get to see Rendon 19 times a year. We know obviously how special he is, uh, and you kind of alluded to the fact that it, an extension might be holding off on the idea that that Bryce is uh, might possibly come back. I mean, do do you think that there's any chance that he comes back? Because there's everybody's kind of got cold feet on this now. So do you think everything would change if he, if he were to come back? Do do you think that there's any chance of that? Well, one, I think, yes, there's absolutely a chance. There's always a chance. Um, You look first off at DC's history, right? The Lerner family uh, has a very good working relationship with Scott Boris. And if you don't believe that, I I need you to point you toward that Matt Wieters deal, which there was no market for Matt Wieters and they threw a bunch of money at him. Um, really to help out Scott Boris. Uh, so I think when you look at that relationship and you look at the fact that he was the face of that franchise for so long, they made him an offer at the end of the year, a good offer. Um, they wanted to keep him. And you look at Scott Boris, this master negotiator, right? And, and the way that this whole thing turned out with Manny Machado, a few weeks ago, if I told you the Padres were in, you would have been like, oh, really? That's just trying to drum up the market. So we've seen time and again where all of a sudden things change. So I think from the Nationals' point of view, they certainly would like to keep Rendon in a Nationals uniform. But I don't think you can commit to this massive extension for Rendon as long as Bryce Harper is still out there. You just can't really eliminate Bryce Harper until he's signing somewhere else. So he's kind of that cloud that's looming. And again, I would be shocked if something got done here with Rendon and it sounds like there's not a whole lot of active movement on that and i think a lot of that is you can't go out and get bryce harper and then sign Rendon. you can't really have both of those guys coexist along with scherzer and strasburg and kind of all this money on the books uh, because you have some young guys you feel good about got juan soto and victor robles and you know carter kai boom and you look at these guys and you know you need to be able to kind of keep that core intact and i think for the nationals it's going to be an either or and more and more, it's becoming Rendon is the better defensive player. You know, Rendon is the better guy to invest in, and that's fine. But I think the reason that's all being held up is because number 34 is still looming out there. And because Scott Boris needs the Nationals to be involved to drive up that price. So there's a lot of interesting things that are intertwined here. And Rendon and Harper could not be any different in terms of personality-wise. But it seems like right now, their fates are kind of married. Uh, while we wait on Harper. Now, we here in Braves country, we've got our own uber stud that we love to watch, Ronald Acuna. But 
Doc and I are such big fans of Juan Soto as well. Uh, I know it's early on, but are you excited? I'm, I'm assuming you're very excited to get to see him up close. Really excited. I saw Scherzer throw live to Soto yesterday, and I was like, man, you're not in Baltimore anymore. This is cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I was saying uh, to Buster only yesterday, he was in camp, and um, I was like, you know, I've never covered an ace. And it's true. I mean, Baltimore had some good pitchers, and but really, I mean, the closest thing was maybe Jake Carrietta, and he, he was bad there. Uh, you know, he it was before he got good. And so there was never really an ace or a guy that you kind of looked forward to every five days. And um, I know Gossman certainly flourished over there in Atlanta, but he certainly didn't in Baltimore. So um, it's really cool to watch this guy, and it's really cool to watch guys like Soto, who's just so positive, has all this energy. Um, I, I'm really excited to see him and Victor Robles and what they're able to do together. Because that's a young, exciting, talented outfield there for the Nationals. So it's going to be really exciting. And, you know, you look at this division, and now I'm kind of rambling, but I am worked up. I'm so excited to watch, you know, the Mets and the Braves. And, you know, it just seems like the Phillies. It just seems like the NL East, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here, seems to be the division to watch right now. So it's just, it's really exciting. It's a really exciting time to be around this team and to be around this division in general. So how, how would you handicap the division with, with these four teams? And you don't have to be nice about this just because we're a Braves podcast. Like if you had to play out, I mean, I think that we can all agree that Miami is probably going to wind up in last place, but if you had yeah. to rank the other, other four teams, then how would, how would you rank them? I mean, I think the Braves need to still make some moves. No, didn't they have all this like money that they were allegedly going to spend and they haven't really spent any of it. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Still Thank you. Decision, but I'm pretty sure that's the narrative over there. Right. People Thank you. About this. Thank that's you. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's so, a lot of that going on. Yeah. So I would put them fourth right now. I mean, I know, I know they were great last year. I know they were a great story, but like I saw firsthand with the Orioles in 14, you can't ride those coattails and not make any winner moves and expect to continue to get good. You know, you just can't, you have to make the necessary additions. And honestly, it just doesn't really seem like they have, uh, you know, they, they, they have made some moves. It's not like they haven't done anything. But to me, when you look at the, the moves that were made by the Phillies and the Mets and the Nationals, um, they had better winners. So I, I have to put those teams out in front. Now, to me right now, I think the Phillies are probably the team to beat, especially because I think that's where Harper ultimately signs. Um, but I could also very easily see that flip side and see kind of what happened last year with them where they really can't write the ship. And then you got Clintac on the hot seat. You got Gabe Kapler on the hot seat and they're just a miserable team. I could see both scenarios, but right now I think the Phillies probably going to be that team to beat. I'd put the national second and the Mets third though. I honestly, to me, they're kind of right on that same wavelength a little bit. Um, I, I think the Mets are a, a little, I mean, obviously an interesting team. They had an interesting winner, but um, they seem energized over there. Uh, I think they're they're going to be a really good team. So sorry to put the Braves in fourth, but again, they could make some moves. And all it takes is Harper signing somewhere that we don't think we don't think about to kind of change how this all plays out, right? When you've got Keuchel and you've got these guys that are still out there right now, certainly there's room for the division to change. I think it's odd that you can look at this Nationals team who are most likely, I would say, I'd put it at about 90%, are going to lose Bryce Harper, and they're going to be a better team than they were a year ago. Kind of weird to consider that. You replace Daniel Murphy with uh, 
with Brian Dozier, Daniel Murphy, or Wilmer Defoe, if it makes you feel better to say Defoe. Uh, you replace Matt Wieters with Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki, which is probably the biggest upgrade. Adam Eaton comes back healthy, and Victor Robles is going to win a job out of camp to go with Juan Soto. You have Corbin slotting in as the number three pitcher, which kind of – it gives you a real run for your money as far as the Nationals or the Mets having the best starting rotation in the division. I'm still not big on the bullpen. Trevor Rosenthal, if he's healthy, right. is a huge addition. But losing Kelvin Herrera, I know he wasn't good in Washington last year, but that was kind of a fluke. Um, I, I still love the Nationals on paper. I think that they've got probably the most balanced position core of any of the teams in the East. But you're right. If Harper goes to Washington, man, that that's that's a scary team. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with, with, with Philly, too, I mean – at least made some really good moves, but um, again, I wonder about Philly. You, you look at that way they played the second. You look at that collapse, and you wonder about the clubhouse. You wonder about Kapler. You wonder about how it's going. That's my um, and, and certainly, it's time now for them to write just to to, to win, or just the, the fans are going to go nuts. And I don't really see a scenario like we said. I don't, I don't think DC gets Harper. I don't see a scenario where Philly can afford to miss out on both of those guys and tell the fan base, "Oh, we're waiting for next year." I just don't see that happening. No, I, I totally agree on Kapler. I actually think Kapler was a much bigger problem in there than anybody that the Phillies actually had. When you've got Carlos Santana, and I've talked about this a number of times, if you've got Carlos Santana, you're wanting to shift because everybody likes to shift. You don't shift and put Carlos Santana as the lone defender on the left side of the field. That's, um, let's put it nicely, stupid. Uh, that's a very dumb move. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on the Braves. I like what the Mets have done as far as their bullpen. Uh, as far as who they've added, Jed Lowry, Robinson Cano, those guys are nice, but really they've just added a bunch of the same type of players, and I don't trust, one, that they're going to stay healthy, uh, or two, that they're not going to put Nemo or Conforto in center. So I'm going to say that the Braves right now, I, if I'm being totally honest, I've got them third in the division. I'm sorry to say that, Doc. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but again, there's, there's little free agents out there that you could still make moves you could still make impacts and not that the Braves are going to get Harper but there are still you know that second tier of guys that you know you look at it and 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 certainly there's room for teams to get savvy and you know it seems like every year I mean a team like the Braves nobody really kind of saw saw last year coming so you know perhaps that atmosphere is the same um I know the guys some of the guys that went over to Atlanta from Baltimore really enjoyed it there um so they're they're a bit of a wild card but this whole division um, outside of Miami is it's really like must watch baseball, which is which is pretty exciting. It's pretty much become the AL East if you think about it. There's three teams in the AL East that are really good. There's three that we know are going to be really good. A fourth that can be really good, uh, but we don't want right. to waste your time talking on all of that. Are there any other just storylines jumping out of you for your first spring training with with the Athletic and with the uh, Nationals? Is there anything in particular that's just like buzzing around in your head? Um. Well, like storylines. I mean, obviously there's stories, there's stuff I'm working on. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I think the clubhouse thing can't be undersold, honestly. Um, they had a bad clubhouse last year from what I've heard. Um, they're really trying to rectify that. I think that's important. Um, I think watching Patrick Corbin and those catchers is, is going to be huge. And like you said, I think the, the bullpen, I think the Rosenthal Doolittle, certainly there are health question marks, but if they're healthy, it's fine. The middle innings kind of scare me a little bit. Um, if these starters really struggle that third time through the order, uh, I could see where that sixth, seventh inning could kind of be the downfall of this team. 
Um, but again, we're kind of splitting hairs, right? I think overall it would be really tough to look at their off season and, and not say Mark, Mike Rizzo did a great job plugging holes because yeah, certainly he did. No, totally, totally agree with you on the, on that one. And I, and I will be curious to see if there, there's not that kind of that specter of Bryce Harper in there and his looming free agency and that being its own story, how that will wind up affecting everything because, you know, on, on paper for the last couple of years, the NL East has been a pretty weak division and the Nationals did dominate for a lot of that. But now that it'll be a little bit harder, they'd be a little more battle tested when they, when they do wind up getting to the playoffs and maybe break through to that next level. But uh, it'll be, it'll be curious to see. I mean, on, on paper, that roster is, is absolutely ridiculous and you're going to have a lot of fun covering the team this year. Yeah, I think so too. I think it'll be great. I got one more question before we let you go. Um, do you still consider yourself an Orioles fan, or were you always kind of an unbiased Orioles cover? So do you have the Nationals hat fully on now, or are you trying to uh, not let anybody see the bird on the hat? Neither. I don't consider myself a fan of any team. Um, I'm a reporter, so I think there's hopefully a difference. Well, that's um, professional sounding. Hopefully a distinct difference. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of either team. I don't root against the teams, but I'm – yeah, I've, I was never. A, um, I think that's a misconception that people think that the beat reporters root for the teams they cover. Um, we root for quick games and good stories. I think I'm going to call BS. You had a favorite team at some point. I did, but I'm not from the DMV area at all. I'm not from. I'm from Connecticut, so um, I very quickly kind of lost that fandom uh, when I interned back in 08 with Tampa Bay. Uh, so yeah, you, you, you lose it very quickly. Um, you, you root for guys who are good guys who, um, you like, and it doesn't matter what team they're on. Um, pretty much on every team, there's probably one or two guys that I, that I like that I've covered that, um, I'll watch and I'll, I'll pull for. And, you know, there's even a smaller number that, you know, I'll text and I'll, I'll still keep track of. So, um, you just root for the good people in this game, I think more than anything. It's a very professional answer. It's why Doc and I do a podcast. We're unabashedly <laughs> Braves, guys. Uh, just in case I screwed up the recording in the very beginning of this interview, and I probably did, uh, Brittany Giroli, new beat reporter for The Athletic, first time covering the Nationals. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, with that said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Platinum Sombrero. Welcome back, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Big thanks to Brittany Giroli. Really enjoyed getting to talk to her. Uh, I only wish you guys could have heard the other seven minutes that I screwed up. Uh, big apologies there, but thank you for sticking with us here at the Platinum Sombrero. Uh, i got to talk to you about MyBookie.ag. You guys have heard the show. You know what they are. Hopefully, you guys have been there. Uh, MyBookie.ag is the number one place to go for your online gambling needs. They've got all the best lines. They've got all the best features. And if you ever have a question about a certain line or what constitute a, constitutes a prop bet or what it means if a guy's a plus 130 underdog, 
uh, just they've got the best customer service around. You can email them and they'll be able to help you out. They'd love to help you out and explain everything. Make your make your experience the best possible experience. Uh, it really does add an extra level of excitement to something you're already excited to watch, or maybe it's something that you don't really care to watch. Maybe maybe you're talking about an AAF game and you don't really care about who wins between Salt Lake City and Birmingham. But if you got a little bit of money on it, all of a sudden it increases the way that you look at that game. Well, mybookie.ag is the best place to go. And as a bonus, if you use our promo code BRAVES25, they'll throw in a 50% deposit match. So you put in, say you put in $100 for your initial deposit, they'll give you an extra $50 free. So then you'll have $150 to play with. Extra money means extra chances, means you get to walk away even happier. Show off and show how smart you are. Enjoy the games even more with mybookie.ag, promo code BRAVES25. All right. So, coming back from that interview, I do want to say this before we really dig into the same thing. We have loved uh, we have loved your submission so far for the contest to co-host the show with me. Um, we are going to extend the date actually to February twenty fifth, uh, Monday. We really want to we really want to give everybody a chance at doing this. Uh, for the most part, all of these videos have been fantastic. It's going to be really, really hard to choose a winner. Uh, for those of you that haven't submitted a video yet and you're considering it, send one to the Twitter page on, at TPS underscore podcast. Send one in the Facebook messages. You can find us at uh, facebook.com slash the Platinum Sombrero. You can send us a message there. Uh, you can send them to us on the email, gmail.com. Uh, it is the Platinum Sombrero at gmail.com. Uh, Love to hear from you there. Thank you guys so much who have already sent in videos. Uh, I do feel the need to throw a little caveat in there. I don't know if we mentioned this in the very first time. Uh, if you currently are a, a host or co-host or are, are affiliated with a podcast, we are not going to consider you in this submission because this is something that we want to do for guys that are unaffiliated, just some listeners. Um, no offense there to anybody who has sent one in. Uh, like I said, we have absolutely loved all of your videos so far. Keep those coming, right, Doc? That's right. We we really have loved it, man. It's it's so fun, and the the response has actually been more than I thought it would be. It's been it's been great, and uh, you know when we're doing the show, we always hope that people are listening and paying attention and everything. And to see the the response we've gotten, it's uh, it warms my heart. So um, everybody. Keep uh, keep sending them in, but when you get on the show, don't do uh, too good of a job because I would like to, when I get back from Italy, I would like to still have a podcast to come home to. Yeah, we can't let you be so good that people start clamoring for you instead of me, which I'll be the first one to go, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, uh, when we left off at the break, we told you that we were about to get into the Braves offseason. Um, we, we discussed Kimbrell before the interview. I think the biggest thing that Doc and I wanted to talk about in this segment in particular um, this is going to be weird. This is going to be the first time that Doc and I have kind of disagreed on air. Usually it's just, hey, I don't know about that. Well, okay. This might be the first time we're actually on different sides of an issue. Uh, so you're going to hear our first couple fight. Um, <laughs> not not like the Pearl Jam disagreement. Right? Yeah. We're not leaving. And, and it's not like the Creed disagreement where we're, I'm just going to form another band called Creed. Um, and they're both going to be horrible. But, well, I take that back. Altered, altered bridge was actually really good i'm not gonna lie um but anyway the payroll question and this really came about from our friends at nakahoma uh no offense to any of you boggy i'm guessing boggy was the one behind this whole thing he's the smart one over there um friend of the show boggy no no offense to any of them i love you guys um but they're they're a little bit they're a little bit different side of this than i am they're even a little bit farther on it than doc is this idea of 
on-field money for the payroll versus dead money for the payroll. Uh, I think that that's the biggest crock of you know what that's being thrown about by this front office this offseason. And if you guys don't know, I, I, you guys should be able to tell I'm pretty disappointed in the fact that you missed a clear chance to upgrade at a number of positions. Um, but if this is the line, this whole, oh, well, we did increase payroll. It's our on-field payroll, wink, wink, while your actual payroll is still under what it was a year ago. To me, that is that is complete horse crap. You know, th- there were a lot of amazing things about the 2018 team, right? I mean, this that was the most fun I have had watching any Braves no team since, since they won the World Series, right? But the most amazing thing about them is that the active opening day payroll for that team, the division-winning team, was $78 million. They were shelling out a lot of money to Kazmir and, um, and Adrian Gonzalez and even McCarthy, who they, they got – I don't want to say minimal contributions from, but after a certain point, they didn't get anything. So and at the end of the season, it was 85. But yeah, I mean, there, there was this, there was this sense that when Anthopolis was, was throwing out, you know, we can shop in any aisle. Then that was his version of, we're going to spend stupid money. Now expectations are the thief of joy. Okay. Like that, <laughs> but we, we have this expectation that they're going to come in and they're going to spend all this money. And even as somebody who is eternally optimistic about baseball, like I, I wish I was half as optimistic in real life as I am about baseball. Like I'm just looking back at this and I'm trying to find some, some way to where I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not like trying to defend the front office. I'm just trying to make sense of all of this different stuff. And all, all I can really get out of it is, I mean, they're, they're right about the, the dead money thing. I mean, they're, they're going to have like 110 million of, of, active payroll but i mean that still doesn't that doesn't quite get me there you know what no, I mean? especially in context of my problem is this everybody like yes we added josh donaldson that was awesome a yep. perfect deal one year 23 million if he's if he's got it back fantastic he'll outperform the contract if he doesn't oh well it's just one year's worth of money lost that is awesome i'm no one is denying that getting a former mvp is not awesome the difference is, like, that's not supposed to be where you stop. Like, the Braves were not a Josh Donaldson away from being a World Series team. You know what would have helped them out? You know, adding an upgrade in right field or adding an upgrade a catcher. Like, I don't know, Yasmani Grandal, who happened to be available and signed a one-year deal. Um, in, improving the bullpen, guys like David Robertson or Kelvin Herrera or Adam Adovino uh, or even Craig Kimbrell, which can still happen there. But – not sitting on your hands and knees, essentially. Oh, well, we added Brian McCann. Yeah, Brian McCann, who's ancient and has bad knees and doesn't catch very much anymore. I mean, he's still great as far as framing, don't get me wrong, but he is a step down from Kurt Suzuki as far as what he impacts. And you can talk about you can talk about framing, you can talk about defense. That's fine. This whole adage that defense wins championships, it's not true. Uh, you can take a look at, at last year's playoffs, for example. The Red Sox were middle of the road, 17th in terms of defense. Uh, the Astros, under that. The Dodgers, not good either. Like it, it's, it's an offensively driven league, and that's just the way it is. And defense can cost you a championship, sure, but it cannot win you one. Same thing with pitching. Pitching can lose you a championship, but it cannot win you one. Offense can win you a championship. And to me... 
the biggest difference between the Braves and the Dodgers wasn't the pitching staff. It wasn't the defense. It wasn't the bullpen, even though those were, you know, they've got some guys like Kinley Jansen in there, which would be nice. Uh, the biggest difference is the offense. When they had eight, nine players deep in the lineup that go 20, 20 bombs. Dodgers are living in a completely different echelon of payroll than the Braves are. You sure. know what I mean? And that's, but guess what, and, man? And, We're at a $110 million payroll. You're telling me that we can't throw 30 or 40 and get to 140 or $50 million? Oh, That still leaves no, you dude, mid-market. I'm, no, look, I'm, 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 I get it. No, I'm, I'm absolutely. I'm just looking at it going, the, the Braves, it's hard to say like they can't compete with that because they probably could. They're just not you know and and some of the some of the thing is is this this is one thing like when the rebuild started and and i'm i swear i'm gonna bring this bring this back around but when the rebuild started i didn't get mad everybody got mad but i was intrigued i'm like why are we trading all these guys like trading jason hayward for shelby miller and tyrell jenkins i never heard of tyrell jenkins i wonder if he is any good and i'm like digging into it right and i got i use that to get really into prospects and, and I'm, like, studying every single farm system leading up to the Justin Upton trade. So I'm, like, borderline familiar with these guys when they wind up showing up. I used it as an opportunity to really, like, learn something, okay? And so when I'm looking at the same thing with, with payroll, I'm like, okay, everybody else is getting pissed. So maybe there's an opportunity to learn something here. And I'm just kind of looking around trying to figure trying to figure out what in, what in the hell is actually going on. Okay, and and through all of the different, the the team didn't come out and, and say this number, but it was anywhere from thirty to sixty million that they were going to have to spend after the dead money. Okay, Dob was saying thirty, Bowman was saying fifty to sixty. So split the difference. Let's say they had forty five million dollars to spend after the dead money. Donaldson ate up half of that. Uh, keep in mind they also resigned Tyler Flowers four years, two million dollars, or excuse me, four million dollars. Uh, with a $2 million buyout. It's the exact same deal that Mark has got. So between those two, that's $12 million, and then Donaldson, Donaldson's 23 brings him to 35 McCann takes him to 37 So they have spent in that window, but $110 million is still just $110 million. Now they could go out, you know, let's say, you know, we were talking uh, the, the first segment about signing Kimbrell for 3 and 45. Let's say that he gets 15, 15, and 15 over, over those years. And so, if the Braves add $52 million worth of active payroll, I mean, that is a good thing. And there are a lot of people that are saying, yeah, they've spent some money, but they, these people are also with the caveat that they just haven't liked the moves. Regardless of whether people like the moves or not, they have made some moves. But whether or not it's enough, that's hard. And and I I certainly understand. I'm, I'm, dude, I was... I found out about the the Phillies getting JT Romuto the same time everybody else. I saw I saw the same write ups on that Gene Segura trade. I thought the same things about a lot of it. You know, there's uh, it's it's so it's so very interesting and it's so very frustrating. And if they wanted to say we believe in our youth, then they should have cool. said that. Yeah. The yeah, problem is I'm, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't mean to cut you off here, but I'm I'm good. I'm going to get very heated if I don't say something. So I'm going to blow. Um, we talk. We're 110 million. Is what we're saying. Um, if if that's all you had is we're at 110 million. You talk about all of the youth, and you're like, okay, cool. Then we've got something that we can work with here. No big deal. Um, the problem is they came out and talked about 125 million dollar record profit. So you're talking about that you made more just from the battery than you're spending on your team. Like 
Terry McGirt comes out puffing out his chest, crowing about, oh, man, look at these record profits, as if that anybody, any baseball fan ever cared about how much the battery made if it wasn't going to go back into the team. That's my biggest problem here is the perception that the Braves created, and that's why they're getting hammered. You talk about the Q&A that uh, Schultz and D.O.B. did, and you know, usually I'm not huge into either, either of those two works, but what they did there, I felt that that was... I felt that that was the most genuine and the most pressing they've ever been in an interview with somebody. They did not let him off the hook. They discussed the whole record profits. They discussed Alex saying that uh, they could shop at any aisle, which was a stupid thing to say. Uh, They talked about, does Liberty Media want to hold them back? They talked about not spending the money or trading any prospects. They they talked about everything. If you haven't seen it, you really need to go look at it. It's in The Athletic. I'm sure uh, sure you can find it pretty much anywhere. It's a great interview. There's a ton of people talking about it. Doc, you're not the biggest Craig Calcaterra fan, but I thought that when he – he kind of talked about that interview. I thought he was actually fairly on point. Now you can talk about, he might've been more mad or he might've been using it for a different reason. I thought he was pretty much on point that it's the fact that you say this stupid crap that you never should have said if this was not your overall plan. And then for Alex to come out and be like, well, did we promise that we would spend or did we promise that we'd have financial flexibility as if financial flexibility ever got a fan hard. You know, you're right. Um, I I hope Craig Calcaterra, I don't want him to get hit by a bus, but I want like his foot to get run over by a bus and like not to, not to break it or anything. Just a huge inconvenience, a quick trip to the hospital. What is the beef with you guys? I dude, I Craig. Okay. We'll get to the Schultz thing in a second. Let's talk about Craig Calcaterra. He kicks off the article by saying, I've been a Braves fan for 35 years. If Craig Calcaterra is a Braves fan, I am a f***ing penguin. There is no <laughs> way. There, no, he is not, okay? And if you ever you ever listen to fat stand-up comedians, okay, they will – their whole act is about being fat. And they're doing that because they're saying, oh – I'm I'm inclusive in this group. I can say these things. Nobody can say these things but me, but I can because I, I'm in the group. It's like he's giving that same caveat because he's like, I'm a Braves fan. I can say whatever I want about the Braves. Dude, not even Mets fans talk about the Braves the way that Calcaterra is, talk, is talking about them. Like, And he everything he said, he bit right off of Schultz. Every single thing. And then that's just feeding down. Everything's trickling down from Schultz and DOB to Calcaterra to some of the other Braves blog sites, one of which that I might write for. I mean, there's, it's <laughs> just creating this frenzy. And like, dude, okay, did Schultz blow this out of proportion? Maybe it had? Yes, he did. Did he say anything untrue? No, he didn't. It's all about optics. My mom used to say to me when I was a kid, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. She would usually reserve that for times where I would say something like a total dick and really hurt her feelings. I heard that but, a lot. It's not what yeah. you meant, it's how you said it. Right. And and there's there's some truth there, okay? Like you can make you can make really passionate and really stunning points. Like if you if you feel like you've got a really good point to make, but you can't make the point without being a dick, how good is your point really? Cuz you're not relying on facts, you're relying on feeling. And feelings don't feelings are feelings aren't real. Okay, you know Ben I mean? Shapiro. Hey, you you know you know what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm saying. And and as it pertains to Schultz, yeah, my my, my biggest issue with all of this, like for some reason, I don't mind getting lied to by the front office because I'm. You know what? As soon as the season starts, none of it's going to matter. I'm going to watch 162 games or 155 because I'll be out of the country for some of these. 
you know? And everybody that's bitching and moaning now, they're going to be right there on opening day. They're going to watch games on a Tuesday night. They're going to they're gonna pretend they're working on a Thursday afternoon. They're going to watch all these games because when it comes down to it, we all love the team. And we expect more. And Anthopolis, no. Should he have come out and said we can shop in any aisle? Well, if you can't back it up, no. And and through different sources, you and I have heard a number of things that have gone on this season. We know publicly that they were in on Edwin Diaz and Sonny Gray and Byron Buxton and Yasiel Puig, obviously JT Romuto. And, you know, like, but they haven't landed any of these guys. So his comments about shopping in any aisle, it's like, well, you're window shopping. You know, you you see this this. Uh, a handbag is the first thing that comes to mind. You see a, a $15,000 handbag, you can be like, hmm, I'm shopping for a handbag and I'm not buying the really expensive one. It's the same then thing. Then why you know? say it? I don't know. You don't know, know exactly. Alex is smart enough that he knows exactly how that was going to be taken. I'll tell you yeah. why they said it. To sell more season tickets. It's the only reason. To get people buying the packages to come in and, and d- d- dedicate money to that. I don't know if it's he really thought that he would be free to spend more than that, and then Liberty Media put a hard cap on him at, say, 120 or something like that. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. We talk about that him going to, to Liberty Media over the winter meetings. You and I thought it was weird but didn't think a whole lot of it. Maybe there was more to it than meets the eye. Who really knows? But if they had just said at the end of the season – we love what our young guys are bringing us. We love where we're at. Maybe we can make a tweak or two here or there, but we love what we have. Nobody would be this upset. You'd still have the, you'd still have that normal percentage of the fan base that always finds something wrong. You'd still have them, but you're going to have them no matter what happens. doesn't matter who you sign. They'll still be that way. But the rest of it, they wouldn't be getting hammered nearly as badly if they didn't say that stupid crap about how much money they had and shopping it for whoever they wanted. There's not a free agent that's too expensive for us. Oh, we're talking about the record profits and all of this. And even Terry McGurk going, oh, well, you know what? Maybe in the next couple of years, if we keep going like this, we'll be a, a mid-market and then maybe even a high mid-market down the road. Like, dude. That's not something that you need to tell people right now when you won't spend money. And it's it's one of two ways. I don't care if you want to be cheap, but then you got to actually spend the prospects. The problem is, and this is the thing, everybody keeps pushing the date on down the line. It goes from, all right, the 2019 offseason. Now we've got this weird kind of debate that it was actually a horrible free agent market. Now past the top shelf, it probably was, but there were still plenty of top shelf pieces that were upgrades which is important, and none of those got done. So, Well, now we've got financial flexibility for midseason. It doesn't really matter about the financial aspect of midseason as much. You know why? Because you're dealing prospects, which Alex has not wanted to do at all. We didn't do any of the major pieces that were available last deadline. You know who we got? Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day. You know why? Because it didn't cost but one person in the top 30, and it was your number 29, a catcher whose only skill is getting hit by the pitch. That's all it costed you, along with you know my favorite deal in it, Gene Segura or Gene uh, Giancarlo Encarnacion and our friend and buddy uh, Bruce Zimmerman. But that's that's essentially what it cost you and a guy that can't throw strikes in Evan Phillips. You didn't go after these big time guys the same as, as some of these other squads did. That part is irritating to me because you either are going to have to spend prospects or spend money. Guess which one I would rather spend, Doc? I I get it. I get it, you know, and and the I kind of am looking at this like there the optimistic part of me is really like 
he'd still make a move. You know, we wouldn't. How would we know? Better make one quick, man. There's like five weeks left. No, I know. I no doubt. And and truth be told, the market is pretty screwed right now. This whole this whole thing is weird. This the last off season was weird. This one's somehow even weirder. That's so, what irritates um, me, though. The market was so slow. You could have jumped in on anybody. Sure, sure, sure. But at the same time. Okay, let's use Kimbrell as an example. Okay, we talked about how he was asking for six and hundred, and if the possibility exists that they waited out, and let, you know, let's let's say that uh, that he signs this weekend. Just just to use an example for for three and forty five, and so you get him for half the years and and half the money overall. Then that in that particular instance that makes more sense than jumping out there and just sure. throwing all the money at him right sure i'm so, not i'm not disagreeing there my problem with that course. is was was adding kimbrell really a bigger need than upgrading from nick Marcakis. well that depends on how how long his leash is that depends on how much they believe johan camargo is going to be able to go out there because if he's super utility that includes the outfield uh how much they believe in austin riley how much you know i've Look, I, I love Nick Marcakis as a dude and as a player. I've, I certainly am like, okay, okay, this is fine. You could do a lot worse. You could also do a lot better. He's very middle of the road. He's um, As yeah, evidenced he's by exactly the fact that he took dinner. a $4 million deal with a $2 million option. And if that was – and him coming back, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, so there there is room to spend somewhere else. But they have not signed anybody since Marquecas. And now. you and I talked about that. That's what we thought. It was very specific, $4 million. So, like, all right, cool. There's a number that they got. Now, sure, maybe they could go out and get Marwin Gonzalez. That would be a guy that I would be interested in, although I don't think he's even as good as Johan. I think Johan's the better version of Marwin. Marwin at least is more comfortable in the outfield already. Um you know, you could see something like that. Sure. My biggest problem here is this perception. Braves fans have become like this weird amalgamation of the worst parts of Georgia Bulldogs fandom and Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets fandom. Whereas the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, the whole big thing, oh, we can't recruit like them. The Braves are going, oh, we can't spend like anybody else. We're, we're a small market. Dude, you're in Atlanta. You are not a small market. But, but we're a small market team. We got a bad TV deal. Blah, blah, blah. Like they don't want to spend. Then you get the Georgia Bulldog fan base. Well, just wait till next year. Next year's our year. Now Braves fans have gone to just wait till the trade deadline. Just wait till 2020 for agency. I've already got people telling me just wait until 2020 and save money for 2021's free agency. I do not want to talk about saving money for two years of an off season. I don't want to well, wait two years to get good. Well, they're not spending now. It makes you think. Oh no, we'll we'll. We will suddenly, if the Nationals don't extend Anthony Rendon, we're definitely going to sign him, are we? Well, I, maybe, but probably not. You know, not if, you it costs, very, not if it costs your you precious bring, financial flexibility. You bring up a very interesting point about the uh, the fan base. Now, listen, I I really, really am struggling with um, these little these little pop up angry mobs. You know what I mean? It's like. All of a sudden, even the most rational people are completely losing it. And, and dude, I, I fancy myself to be the most rational person on Braves Twitter. Usually, Sometimes I pride myself to be fairly rational. Now, this offseason, I look like a crazy person. You have, um, I've seen a side of you this offseason that I had never seen before. But I mean, but now it's like everybody's like I've seen people talking about full-on boycotts I don't know if this one dude was kidding but he was talking about like marching on SunTrust Park I'm like go ahead and let me know when you do it so I can periscope that because you're an idiot you're 
absolute idiot. I think I've said that already. I think I've said if Bryce signs for like a three-year deal and it's not with Atlanta, I'm going to march to SunTrust and light it on fire. Was that you? Probably. (laughs) Probably. I said, I said, caveat. I said, if it's, if it's a three-year deal and he takes a high AAV short year deal and the Braves aren't in on that, then I will be furious. No, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and just, and everybody's just restless at this point. You know, we, we thought we were going to have a certain off season, the Donaldson signing, we thought it was going to set the tone and it did, but not in the way we thought it did. We thought no. it was going to be like, oh, my God, we added Donaldson, and now we still have room to add more people. Well, they, but talked more about, like, they talked about it in the interview with, with Schultz and DOV, where like, they sounded surprised that everybody else in the division decided to get better. And that's the other point I want to address. I, I keep hearing over and over and over, well, the Braves won the division last year. Everybody's chasing them. No, duh. But that's what everybody's doing. That's why they're adding people. Like, you don't get to just sit on your laurels and be like, what was it, the 20, 2014 Orioles, maybe? Like, oh, well, we won, and that's it, and not add anything else. Like, you got to keep going. And, and the same thing with the 2015 Astros. And this is this is not the first time that we will have comped the 2018 Braves to the 2015 Astros. Young team, upstart, not projected to do a ton, relied on their young guys, made the playoffs. Didn't add in the offseason. And missed the playoffs in 2016. I see now, it two ways, by the way. It could be like the Twins a couple years ago, where they made it, didn't really add, and then lost out the next year. Or you can be the Brewers, where you got better quicker, and then what did you do? You added more people. You can still go either way. And one th- one thing I will say about Anthopolis, which which kind of boggles the mind, like with with the market being what it is, like there's a freeze on outfielders right now, and it's all because it is because of Bryce, and the, it does have that that trickle down. Where, you know, anybody who's who loses out on him might suddenly decide, well, I'm going ham for David Peralta, or I'm going ham for Mitch Hanniger, or whatever. And for a guy like Anthopoulos, say what you will about everything with the everything that he has said, but every addition he has made: Gossman and O'Day, Duvall, Venters, Batista, Donaldson, McCann, Duda, the Marcakis reunion, the Flowers extension. Nobody knew anything about any of that except for the Gossman deal that leaked about three hours before it happened but if that hadn't been on trade deadline day we would have never found out so you know we're recording this on Wednesday episode comes out on Friday it's entirely possible that that he makes some massive splash tomorrow what are the odds they're very long but it's possible because we don't have those rumblings that's why something didn't sit right about the real Muto stuff all along because it's like how is this out in the open that's not how he operates so there is the possibility, like if Bryce, like the sooner Bryce signs, the quicker it'll unthaw because maybe somebody and Marvin Gonzalez, you just talked about Marvin. Like the biggest thing about him is he's super utility, but he can also play the outfield. And Braves bench is still pretty weak. He could still he could be a target. He doesn't have a QO attached, so uh, you don't have to worry about the the draft stuff if they if they do wind up going after Kimbrel. I mean, th- things can still happen. And I said this last week when we interviewed Garab, I I. Even if I know how bad it would look if they don't add to payroll, if you know how bad it would look if they don't add to payroll, they absolutely know how bad it would be if they come into this with lower active opening day payroll. And than, here, uh, here, by the way, I think this is the the ultimate. This is the ultimate difference here. Uh, it's benefit of the doubt. Either you give Alex in the front office the benefit of the doubt, or you don't. Personally, for me, 
he hasn't done anything to earn the benefit of the doubt from me. I know Liberty Media certainly has, and Alex hasn't been here long enough for me to give him benefit of the doubt one way or the other. So going by Liberty Media, I don't have benefit of the doubt. And people can tell me, oh, Liberty Media, they're not really involved in it. All I know is Terry McGurk tells somebody exactly how much they can spend. And Terry McGurk is more is more concerned with keeping his job at Liberty Media than he is with making the Braves good, as it should be for any corporate guy. Uh, but I've never seen the Braves really spend under Liberty Media. I don't think they're going to, by the way, until they sell the team. It's my only big hope. Um, I Really, I'm down to the point of, like, you can go either way on Alex. You talk about Alex in Toronto. What did he do? He traded his best prospects for, for you know, he did good. He nailed the Donaldson one, and then he got tanked on the R.A. Dickey one. And when he left Toronto, they had one of the worst farm systems in baseball. They're still trying to recover from that. Then he goes to L.A., and everybody has this weird idea that, like, he created L.A.? No, he sat back there and learned. So, you know, it could go either way. I still have this weird thing that Alex might be gun-shy about trading prospects because he traded Thor for R.A. freaking Dickey. So I still think the jury's out on Alex. I also am not entirely sure that he's, you know, a. I don't think he's a quote-unquote Braves guy. I don't necessarily think that he's a Braves GM lifer. I think that if somebody of a bigger place, say Chicago, were to offer him the job when Theo Epstein steps down, I think Alex would leave and do that. So there, there's still a, the jury is still out for me on Alex. I try not to judge a GM at all until it's been at least five years. Except for Copy. Uh, well, no, I mean, I wouldn't have judged Copy one way or the other if he until he'd made it to five years. Now, obviously, there's a reason why you didn't get to five years, so that opens you yeah. up for judgment. Yeah, there were some extenuating circumstances there. Yeah, as it pertains to Terry McGurk, I mean, if he wants to be the puppet master, um, I don't really care for that as much, but I will say this. He needs to shut up. Like, let AA do the talking, okay? He he can spit it better than Terry can. Terry just, like, keeps... Just when you think he can't put his foot any farther into his mouth, he somehow manages to fit his ankle in there. Right! Dude. Like, dude, like, dude, you... Just shut up. It's fine. It's like you're tone deaf. Do you not realize how much people are pissed at you right now or why they're pissed at you? Dig the hole, man. Yeah, keep go ahead. Just keep talking. Give give them fodder to put in the article. Yes, let's make it nine pages instead of six. It just he needs to, he needs to stop, you know. So I am the my biggest thing about not overreacting here is that even if I overreact and I go and I grab my, my torch and my, my pitchfork and, and you and I both march on, on SunTrust Park, then like me bitching does nothing. You know what I mean? Like I can I can bitch and moan about this until I'm blue in the face, but I mean at the end of the day, they're they don't care about me individually. They care about the fans, possibly, but like me, I did not get my, my Christmas card from, from Liberty Media. You know, Anthopolis uh he did not send me a birthday card last year, so um, I I'm still gonna go to 20 games this year. I'm gonna watch so many of them. I'm I'm gonna obsess over all of this, like I do every single season. But if there are people out there like, oh, well, I'm done with this team, dude, that is your prerogative. Go go be done. And and it's not even one of those like passive aggressive. Oh, there's plenty of room on the Twins bandwagon, bro. It's not it's not even like that. Like. Go pull for the Twins. Become an honorary Blue Jays fan. It's about to be really exciting with Vlad Jr. coming up. That's fine. Nobody's telling you that you can't do that. But, like, if you want to stick it to the Braves, then stick it to them, man. Like, that's that's fine. That is that is your prerogative as a fan. Absolutely. And, and you and I have both agreed on this. 
be patient, wait until the season starts. But if nothing else gets done by the time the season starts, I think the fans have every reason to be upset when looking at the landscape of the rest of the division. That's my overall thing. And if the Braves had just kept their mouth shut and just like ridden the natural excitement from watching Acuna hit a freaking grand slam in in the playoffs, then yeah. they wouldn't have like they. That's my biggest problem. There was no need to talk about how much money you can spend or how much money the battery made. There was no need at all. They placed those expectations on themselves, and they're getting hammered for it, and I think they deserve that for setting themselves up for it. Be smarter next time. If you aren't sure how much you're actually going to spend, don't freaking bring it up. It's it's weird. This, this, whole, this whole thing is, is, it has been really bizarre, and, and we've been... We have been kicking the cans down the road, you know. And they, they did make they did make plenty of additions last year um, during spring training, like Edible Sanchez. You know, that was one that wasn't a big money move, but it was a smart move, and they made it. And he was a huge part of this team. So, so something like that can can still happen. But I mean, we're we're in spring training now. Like the, the time for screwing around is done. Like if you're gonna make a move, cool. I will. And the, the timing of this all has been weird. Uh, Donaldson of a can within two hours, then nothing for a couple of months, and then Marcakis, and then nothing since. I mean that that sets up really bizarre. But this is kind of where we are, you know. Where we're normally we're at such a different point mentally going going into the season. Like February twentieth is supposed to be like a joyous time. Like I just we'll we'll find clips of of. Uh, of batting practice and like the ball hitting the mitt and I'll just I'll just put it on in the background. I'll just listen to it all day while I work. It's supposed to be glorious, but now I'm just like I can just hear this little voice in my head saying, We're not gonna spend any money. I'm like, damn it, where does that where does that keep coming from? I'm with you too. It just makes you very nervous. It's very nerve wracking and it's good that you're that invested in the team, I guess, but Man, you got to be so careful when you're dealing with fans' emotions like that, which is why generally I'd say just err on the side of caution and don't freaking mention stuff like that if you don't have to. That being said, yeah. we are uh, we are very much out of time for this week's show. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who's made a submission. Thanks you, thank you again to uh, our guest from The Athletic, Brittany Giroli. Fantastic job there. Hope you guys really enjoyed that interview. Doc, another week down, yes. another fantastic episode. Baseball's back, baby. I did. I'm like, I'm as happy as I get about this payroll considerations or not. I'm just glad that we can finally get to the point where the the first spring training game is this weekend. I'm and, just happy uh, that baseball's back. And I'm happy that I can watch some of these young guys, even no matter how mad you guys see me get online. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch the Braves. It just means that I'm disappointed, but whatever, as we get that going, hope you guys really enjoy the episode. Again, apologize for really screwing up about half of what was an amazing interview. Uh, hopefully you guys really enjoy the rest of it. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next week right here on the platinum sombrero. <laughs> Thanks, bye.